Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. For followers of Jesus, this world is not our home. We're grateful to be here and for the blessings of earth, but God's people know that we have the promise of a permanent and everlasting home. In Genesis chapter 23, that thought brought hope to Abraham when his wife Sarah died, but it also made Abraham live in such a way that he could pass that hope on to future generations so they too could get home to God. This living for others while looking forward to eternity with God will give significant meaning to your life. Here's Pastor Jim for the conclusion of his message, Looking Forward to a Permanent Home. He offers full price. There's no entitlement. There's no, hey, remember I rescued you people? Remember back in chapter 14? I I deserve a good price. None of that. He doesn't expect a low price. He says, I want to pay full price. Why? I don't know. The best I can come up with is I think he doesn't want anybody coming back questioning the legitimacy of the deal after he's dead. Oh, he ripped that guy off. That wasn't fair. They gave it to him. It really wasn't anything long-term. It was more like a lease than a purchase, I guess, whatever it is. I think it's also interesting that he didn't want to leave future generations with a problem or maybe a large bill. Hmm. All the young people are saying, don't be looking at us, Pastor Jim. Look at the old people on that one. (laughs) Abraham's not cocky. He says he gets others to go talk to the landowner. That's why we go to God in Jesus' name. We don't go in anybody else's. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We go in Jesus' name. You know, when you, sometimes you'll, you'll say, a friend will say to you, uh, you know, oh, do you know anybody who does this? And say, you'll, they'll say to you, yeah, go there, tell them you know me. So they would, what would they do? They would go to this guy and they'd say, hey, listen, man, we know this good guy, Abraham. Did you ever hear of him? Oh, you've heard of Abraham? Yeah, listen, he's a good guy. He's good to do business with. You, you know, do some business with him. He's a good guy. He's not going to rip you off. Just hear him out. So the two men meet, verse 10. Now, Ephron, some of you want to say Ephron. I always laugh when I read this. There's two reasons why I read this. I'll give you the first one now. If I remember the second one later, I'll tell you. Um, it always reminds me of Zach Ephron. How many know who Zach Ephron is? Yeah, some of you know who Zach Ephron is. Um, by the way, this is a sad day for me. This is normally a party day in our church. How many of you knew that? This is the 16th anniversary of our church. Yeah, so normally I have a party. No party today. Sorry. Actually, that's not true. It's my grandson's birthday party this afternoon, so I will be partying. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, 15 years ago, when we started, really got the church going, our youth group was pretty much bigger than our church. <laughs> and I... I I was a youth leader for many years, and people say, well, how did you grow the youth group bigger than the church? I basically grew it on, on, if you know who Zac Efron is, he was the star of High School Musical. I basically built it on the Bible and High School Musical illustrations that little girls liked. <laughs> so, and so I always used to joke about that, and, and, and when they would not pay attention, I would say something completely wrong about it, and all the kids would freak out. Um, so anyway, that, don't count that against my time. Um, 
So now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who answered at the gate of his city, saying, uh, No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. So three times he says, I will give, it, give you the cave and the field. Now, if it's give, it's probably future favors or you know, good relationships with other people, but it's probably a sale in some sense. Verse 12, then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, if you will give it, please hear me, or you know, please listen, I'm insisting on this. I will give you money for the field, take it from me, take the money from me, and I will bury my dead there. So what is he doing? He is purchasing a plot of land now and a cave. Apparently, Ephron says, uh, he says I'll, I'll, if you're going to get the cave, you got to take the land too. So he's going to get a plot of land and a cave to bury the patriarchs in. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's where they're going to be buried. Even Joseph's going to want to come back from Egypt and he's going to want to be buried there. Why is Abraham doing this? Because he believes that the promised land will belong to the people of God. Let me say it once again. Death will not stop. Death will not hinder the promises of God. Many of the promises that you and I have, we will see in this life, but many of the promises that you and I have, we will not see until the next life. Now, let's watch, and here's my second thing. Remember I told you I had business mentors that retired. Those were my, after I started my business mentors. When I was a, a high school kid and, a, uh, and in college, I worked a lot. I grew up in Long Island and I worked a lot for Jewish businessmen and they were served because a lot of them knew that I had the entrepreneurial bug. Uh, they served as tremendous mentors to me. Tremendous, tremendous. In, in fact, when I'm up doing pastor negotiations, I have to forget all the business negotiating skills I learned because they're just, they really taught me so well and I'm so grateful to them. And, and, you know, if you don't know a lot of, when they got exiled, they'll, if you talk to them, they'll tell you, we got exiled uh, down to Babylon from when Nebuchadnezzar took over uh, Israel and we weren't allowed to own land. So we ceased being farmers and we became businessmen. And that's how the history of our people became such good businessmen. It's thoroughly interesting to talk to someone who knows this stuff. Maybe it doesn't interest you. I'm a geek. It interests me. So, so here we see these two skilled businessmen going at it. And when you, if, you, if you've ever witnessed that before, it's really good because of the subtleties are so good. So, um, so here we see two serious businessmen going, rolling up their sleeves, going to work. Abraham wants it so badly, and, and Ephron smells blood in the water. It says, verse 14, and Ephron answered Abraham saying to him, and when I, when I talk about these business mentors, I tell you, I have nothing but respect for those guys. Man, to take a young kid under their arms with no return is, you know, I find that about a lot of successful people. If you, you young people listen to this, if you seem willing and serious, successful people will often want to help you. If you don't seem serious, they won't even want to tell you what time it is. 
So when Ephron answered Abraham saying to him, my Lord, listen to me, the land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Hey, we're both rich guys, 400 shekels. That's nothing. And Abraham insisted, listened to Ephron and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named the price that he asked in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver currency of the merchants. <laughs> this price is crazy high. He's totally ripping them off. But notice how he mentions the price, but doesn't ask for the price. Oh, it's worth about 400 shekels, you know, whatever. And he's expecting Abraham to come back. See, that's business skill. He doesn't say take it or leave it. He just kind of casually mentions it. That's more than 100 pounds of silver. I did quick math in my head, so I might be wrong on this, but based on Friday's price of silver, uh, that's about $20,000. What do you think $20,000 would be worth today? Now, King David only paid 50 shekels, one eighth of that for the temple site. But to Abraham, what's that cave worth? You know how the commercial goes, right? Priceless, priceless. Ephron is shrewd, but so is Abraham. Instead of haggling and risking the deal, it's not a lot of money to Abraham. It's, he's way overpaying, but he's not a lot of money. Instead of risking losing the deal, he says, okay. Ephron probably went like that. Well, okay. And what does he do? He seals the deal in front of witnesses. Very, very wise. You see, by doing it in front of witnesses in the future, there would never be any doubt where that cave was that belonged to Abraham and who that cave belonged to. You see, he fights shrewdness with shrewdness. Verse 17. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession. Now God's people have a piece of land in the promised land. He owns it. In the presence of the sons of Heth, witnesses, before all who went into the gate of his city. You know, I don't know, but maybe some of this dealing and, and, the, and the high price compared to the low price that a, uh, uh, David paid for prime real estate, I don't know, but maybe it's a picture for the Israelites and for us that oftentimes obtaining the promises of God is very costly. Financially costly, yes. But in other ways, costly as well, that... That, that being a follower of Jesus is going to cost you time. It's going to cost you not doing things perhaps the easy way, but having a life of integrity. It's going to call you to a life of a certain type of morality and obeying the Lord. It's going to call you and I to sometimes doing ways things of, in ways that's not the easy way. That's a more difficult way. 
but it's the right way. I mean, look at what Abraham is doing. I don't know about you, but I think at this point in time, being this rich, it would have been just easier to go home. Go back to Haran. Go back to where your people are. But what is Abraham doing? He's willing to lay down his life for future generations. He is living what we refer to in Christianity as the cross-centered life. He's living way before Jesus, but he's walking in the way of Jesus. In John chapter four, Jesus is talking to the apostles, picking it up at verse 36. He says this, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows plants the seeds, that's what Abraham is doing, and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Some people plant the seeds, some people do till the ground, do the hard work, and other people come and collect the, the fruit, the harvest. He said, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Many of you have contacted me and people have contacted me in various ways and said, what kind of a season do you think that we are in now as the church of Jesus Christ in America right now? And I think we are called right now into a season of sowing. I think we are called in these days to labor for future generations. That there's going to be some hard road ahead hard seasons ahead. And the real question doesn't become, do we sow? We're always supposed to be sowing, even if we're in a season of reaping. That's not the, that's not the real question. The real question is, how many Christians are really willing to be sowers, to sow the seed of the word of God? to tell people the truth and love, to endure ridicule or difficulty. Today, I believe with all of my heart, the Lord invites all of you, all of you that are here, other places watching online, invites me, all of us, to be a sower, to sow for the next generation. Because right now, they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. 25 years I've done youth ministry. Right now, this is the toughest spot they've ever been in. They're in a tough spot. And Jesus is going to call us as adults to take them alongside of us, to let them serve alongside of us, to encourage them, to love on them, to sympathize with them in their weaknesses. What a golden opportunity this is. What a golden opportunity is to, to be called by God to sow seed. And I think even we'll, even God will give us moments of grace to see Fruit in that. Verse 19, and after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, 
before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Second time we're reminded they're in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were, were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property, in, in other words, an inheritance for a burial place. You see how it starts? It starts with, with one small burial plot. It is just the beginning of the land that God has promised to give to his people. And this is one of the reasons why we don't get the Middle East. All of these promises of this land and and, and all of these kinds of transactions. But let's bring it into our world. This is how God operates. He often starts very small. As one life after another gives their heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's you today, friend. Maybe it's you. One life after another. As God creates children out of those who put their trust in him. As God makes disciples, learners and followers of Jesus, not churchgoers. I'm not talking about churchgoers. I'm talking about true heaven-bound followers of Jesus. Personally, be on the lookout because often God will give you just one small little sign. Maybe a little old lady who walks by your house every day the same Sunday you leave for work. One small little sign. I'm thinking, God, if she can keep going, I can keep going. One small little sign in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your difficulties. God says to you, look at that little sign. You know what that sign says to you? It says, I'm here and I see you. Don't give up. Stay at it. I know, look at Abraham. He was grieving, but he's staying at it. He's got the future in mind. He's going to see her again. He knows it, but he knows there's people coming after him that he wants them in heaven. Like Abraham, followers of Jesus are strangers in a foreign land that were just here and were called to build and to press on in building God's church to share the good news of the kingdom of heaven with people while we long for a permanent home. Sarah's permanent home was free to her, but it was costly to Abraham. Our permanent home offered to you today if you're not a follower of Jesus, but our permanent home in heaven is offered freely to us. But how costly to Jesus as it cost him his own life. Oh, no, no, no. Heaven was not something that just given away. It had to be purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Death is a reality, but the great hope of Christianity is death is a doorway to life. Death is the way that God brings his children home. Death is the entrance into our eternal home. 
John chapter 14 at the Last Supper, Jesus says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going what? To prepare a permanent home. I'm going to prepare a permanent eternal home. Verse three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. That is a promise of God. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, after Jesus is speaking, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the way. The way to heaven is a person. It is not being you and I being a good person. How good is good enough? The scripture says perfect. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the only way to get to heaven. You have to go through me to get to heaven. Jesus and the apostles taught that the way to get to heaven is to repent and believe, to repent, to turn to God, to be willing to turn from your sin to God and believe, put your trust in Jesus instead of yourself. If you're saying you're going to heaven because you're a good person, you're trusting in yourself. You say, no, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to God. I want your help, God, to stop doing what I'm doing. I want, I'm asking for your forgiveness, and I'm going to put my trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus proved it by living a perfect life, that he was the way, dying on the cross, and then being buried in a tomb. But notice his tomb, he didn't buy it. He only borrowed it. Why? He only needed it three days. And then he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He came the first time as Savior. He will come a second time as judge. When he comes back, do you want him to be your Savior or your judge? Friends, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus moves towards sinners, not away from sinners. He moves towards sinners. Do we move towards sinners? Do we move towards them in love like our Savior? That's the cross-centered life. I'm not saying that to make anybody feel guilty. I'm saying that so that you're reminded of that when God puts you in that place, and he will, and he will put me in that place. He moves towards sinners, and what does he do when he moves towards sinners? He makes an offer to them. And my non-Christian friend, he makes an offer, that offer to you today an offer to become a child of God, an offer to become a citizen, what the Bible calls a citizen of heaven. That is Jesus's desire for you. And let me tell you something else I know about him. That is what moves his heart. How else could you explain everything else than the fact that people would come to him? That's a motivator for Jesus that moves his heart, that people would come to him. And so today, hear the call to come home to the kingdom of heaven, the call to begin that new life today. But listen, 
that call is only made to imperfect people like Abraham and Sarah. (laughs) That call is only made to imperfect people like me and like so many of the people that you sit among today and you watch among today. Only imperfect people because there was only one perfect person who ever lived on this earth. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. So hear his invitation to his mercy, to his grace, to his forgiveness. No matter how messed up you might think that you are or how good that you think you are, come to him, the perfect one, and know that when you do, you actually Delight his heart. I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to a permanent home. But I have a split personality because part of me is looking forward to that permanent home. But part of me wants us, Calvary Chapel, Mars Hills, to be able to get there and say, look at the people we brought with us. That's why God has us here. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.